Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Hey, howdy, howdy. I'm Joe McCall. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast, here with another great episode. And today we're going to be talking to a good friend of mine from Epic Real Estate, Matt Terrio. And we're going to be talking about how to maximize your ROI and minimize your risk. Can you do both at the same time? I don't know. We'll find out with Matt in today's podcast. But first, podcast is brought to you by my new report, my top five strategies for finding deals in 2021. This is a report I put together where I talked about the, you know, everybody's saying right now the market is hot. There's no deals out there. It's too hard. By the way, I hear people complain about the same thing every single year, no matter what direction the market is heading up or down or flat or sideways or not. What People always find a reason to complain that it doesn't work. It's either too hard to find sellers. It's too hard to find buyers. It's whatever. But there are deals out there. And in this report, I actually prove it. I go through and I pick some counties at random when I did this. And I proved that there are investors right now finding deals, buying deals at significant discounts. And so I talk about the five favorite strategies that we are using, me, my students, my clients are using for finding deals in 2021, even in a quote unquote hot market. Now, where do you get this free report if you want it? Right here, partnerwithjoe.net. Go to partnerwithjoe.net to get this free report. My five top strategies for finding deals in 2021, an easy to follow guide on how to find motivated sellers, no matter how hot the market is or how little experience you have. So you're going to love this. It's a PDF that you can get. Right now, go to partnerwithjoe.net. Cool. So let's bring on Matt. Let's see if Matt is here. Matt, how are you? Hey, Joe, my favorite person in all of the interwebs. Yeah. Well, you're one of my favorites. I don't, I don't you're know. One you're one of them. Yeah. But you are my favorite. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean you're you're right up there close to my. I'm just thinking my wife. My wife's my favorite. Oh well, of course. But is she on the interwebs? Not really. She hates okay. The so there you go. There's the distinction. <laughs> Man, so Matt Terrio, guys, from EpicREI.TV. Does that lead to your YouTube channel, Matt? That's that to the you? YouTube channel. I got a fancy, what do they call that? A vanity domain name, and it goes right to my YouTube URL, so you're not going to somewhere. And, and guys, that. listen to this. Seriously, I'm jealous of Matt's YouTube channel. I always have been for years. It's He's got such great content on his YouTube channel. Um, how he does it, it's just, it's, he's a beast. Um, so go check out his YouTube channel. Go to epicrei.tv. Check out his YouTube channel. He's got so much good information in there. I mean, Matt, I, I always love the way you teach because it's like you're reading from a teleprompter. You're so polished. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how you do it. You're going to have to teach me one of these days. Yeah, it's called uh, editing. <laughs> <laughs> and I hate editing my videos, so that's why mine are not as professional as Matt. Yeah, I All right, somebody so, for that. Anyway, go ahead. Matt, how's business for you? Are you still in Vegas? Still in Vegas. Business is great. I just did something for the first time ever in my life. I just bought my primary residence. Uh oh. Which is something I've been so against for so long. Yeah, I'm surprised. Tell me why. Well, every time I've always. You know, and speaking of the YouTube channel and speak, and then also the podcast. I mean, for a decade now, I've been saying that your your primary residence is a terrible investment. What's the Got phrase? It. Rent where you live and rent where you love and invest where you want to make no, no. money. I don't know. Rent was, where you live, own where you rent. No. Oh, <laughs> okay, I know there's something more poetic that goes to that, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. but I've always said 
you know, that it's a terrible investment. And I still believe that to this day, but I've always included one caveat when that, with that speech before I step off of the, the soapbox. And that is if you can live where you live, if you can buy for cheaper on a monthly basis than for what you rent, then you might want to reconsider. Because it's and it's all inside the context of escaping the rat race. I want to keep my monthly expenses low and keep my monthly income high. Yeah. That way, I don't have to work. Well, what do you, what's the appreciation in the market like in Vegas right now? And do you well, you feel that's going to be sustained for a while? You know, all indicators are pointing to yes. I think it will slow down for sure, but I don't think it's going to shift downward at all. Not anytime soon. So the appreciation, speaking of that, I'm not even concerned about the house values. Really? Rent here in Las Vegas. Nationally, the rent has risen 8%. Yeah. Here in Las Vegas, it's risen 23%. 23% year over year. Year over year. So our lease just came up. I mean, I, I've shared with you before, I, I live in a $3 million house. It might be $4 million by now since we moved in because the way the market has gone. But it was cheaper for me to live in this $3 million house than it was for me to go and buy it or even buy a $2 million house. Yeah, if I lived in California, that's what I would be doing. Right, and so I've just that's just been my existence and it's been a nice life and I always get to live in a much nicer place for a lot less money. And you don't have to worry about the maintenance as much. Yeah, I don't have to worry about any of that. And the other big thing is I don't, have, I don't miss out on the opportunity costs of what you would need for 20% down to buy a $3 million house. Mm-hmm. There's other things I can do with $600,000 that would produce a much better return than locking it up in my house. I know exactly what you're talking about. I just transitioned out of a lease option. Well, it was a lease option, then it became owner financing, and then it became a traditional 30-year mortgage for my current residence. Mm-hmm. And I had to get a jumbo mortgage. Right. And I could have had the money in the bank to buy this house, but because I'm self-employed and it's a jumbo yep. mortgage, it was like one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do to get a mortgage on this house. Even though I had great debt to <clears throat> income, good credit yep. score, I had, but when you're self-employed, it makes it even that much harder to find a bank that's willing to finance you for a, an expensive property, right? Yep. I just went through that whole same experience. In fact, we had, we got a little bridge loan just to get into the house and now we're going to have to sit in there, let it season so we can just refinance later. Wow. Because, uh, Boy, the banks don't like if like it if you're self-employed. No. I mean, you could be banking a, one quarter of the money and the banks would rather lend you the money. Yes, yes. Well, for a perfect example, last year, my assistant bought a house in 30 days. And I was like, how come my assistant can buy the house? But the, me who writes her paycheck has such a challenge. You know, I've thought about doing a course on just a, like a $97 product on how to buy how to lease option or owner finance your own personal residence. Because mm-hmm. there, there's so many entrepreneurs and small business owners out there that are struggling to buy a house um, because they don't have the tax returns. They don't have the, they're making great income. They want to get a jumbo loan. But I'm. have you found this to be true, Matt? I have, where the more expensive homes, it's easier to do creative financing on the more expensive homes. Yeah, I guess maybe because you're, you know, you're dealing with a little bit more of a sophisticated buyer. I haven't really done a test and haven't paid attention to it. But the reason I didn't, and you're not the first person that has brought that up. I mean, someone in my YouTube comments when I talked about this asked me, well, why didn't you go do a subject too? Why didn't you do some creative financing or seller financing on your house? And I was like, well, you don't have a whole lot of control as to what your marketing actually brings in. I mean, it brings in opportunities and there's a lot of opportunities there to make money, but are they the opportunities of where you want to uh, take your family to, right? And so our lease was coming up. And so I had to do it in a very timely fashion. So that was why. But no, I totally agree. If you have the opportunity, if something comes up and you're like, I think I want to live in this one, I would say take advantage of it. Well, it was in a, I did a podcast on this a couple months ago. I paid off $520,000 federal tax lien. Congrats. 
Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. That was, talk about a relief, right? right. Talk about a hundred pound, hundred thousand pound weight off my shoulders. But sure. No, no we talked um, about that. I know that was weighing on you. So I, congrats I, for getting to that. I couldn't that. get a mortgage with a $500,000 tax right. loan. Mm-hmm. Even though I'd paid, you know, I didn't pay it all off it, in one swoop. It took me about two or three years to do it. But there, you know, when I start, when I, ever since I've shared that story, I've been finding a lot of other investors, small business owners, even inside and outside of real estate. I've been coming to me telling me, man, I got the same problem. You know, I thought I've had people say, man, I have a $90,000 overdue tax bill. I thought I was bad. And then I've also been finding people who've been like, man, I have a $2 million, a $3 million yeah, tax lien totally. hanging over their heads. There's a lot of people like that. But that doesn't mean like, even if you have bad credit, even if you have, this is what I love about real estate so much and creative real estate. is like, even though you have bad credit or you've got these things hanging over you, because as a small business owner, as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. we're taking more risks. It's hard to get a mortgage, but you can still live in a really nice house with that stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Let sure. me say this first real quick. We've got some people on the Facebooks and YouTubes right now watching us like Nikel. Uh, He says here, love both of you guys. Glad to see you live together. Hashtag undercover fan. Uh, Peter's got a good question here. We'll talk about this later. I'm a young investor living in Nashville. What can be a good opportunity? Mm-hmm. Nashville's a great market. It's hard to find deals there. We'll talk about that a little later. Listen, if you Not guys if are watching- get your book, Joe. I should, you should get my book. Yeah. I just talk to There's me. an opportunity right there. <laughs> Go get my book, partner with Joe.net. If you guys have any questions, we're going to be talking about maximizing your ROI, minimizing your risk. Mac is going to bring up some really good stuff here in just a sec. So if you've got any questions or comments, type them right now into the Facebook or YouTube comments section. We can see them live here. We'll bring them up if you have a good question and we'll answer them. Okay. What's the name of the book? Come on. <laughs> see, there it is right there. It's That's called, part of your strategy. Make, make your fans beg for your products. <laughs> Top five strategies for finding deals in 2021. You can get it at partnerwithjoe.net for free. Partner with On that Joe. note, I, I have not read his book and I have no idea what's in it, but I always admire Joe because he's always got some new creative trick with some w- free website on how to find deals. So I'm going to get it myself. So there you go. There you go. All right. So Matt, you're really good at numbers. You're really good at figuring out, okay, how do I increase my ROI, my return on investment without going crazy and taking all this risk. So what is this that you're talking about? What I thought, you know, when the higher your in, returns on your investment, the more risk that you had to take. Is that true? Yeah, to some degree. So what I've been really, I was going to pull something up on the screen. If we, if you want, I can share it and walk you through. Yeah, it. Will, it, will it let you? Okay. Yeah, I can. Nice. So I can share this. I'll bring it on in a second. Okay. okay. So I'm a cash flow investor. I'm a buy and hold guy. I have been that way for the last 10 years. I love the creative financing. I love the the great loans and opportunities I can get. And I just love cash flow because I've made all this money in music and I but I was only as good as my last release and I had to make more and more and more. So I made great money, but I still had to keep the hustle going on and I kind of see that a parallel there like with flipping properties. And the age of 34 when you're bagging groceries starting life from scratch, I was like I never want to come back here again. So I had like really like the fear of God put into me, like, oh my God, I, I need to create residual income. I need to create this cash flow. And so that's why that's where my drive for passive income comes from and, and why it's just I want to buy and hold everything. It's always my intent. Yeah. Uh, plan B is to wholesale. And then plan C is to actually fix and flip. I mean, there's got to be a really big payday for me to take on that work and that and the risk there. Yeah. With the fix and flip. So anyway, cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. So I've been really toying with this idea called the velocity of money. And it's just how it's an economic concept of or concept or theory. No, it's not a theory. It's a concept that economists use to measure the strength and the health of an economy. And so, for example, 
Can you see it? It's black, right? Black. Yeah. So I see oh. Epic, the word Epic. Okay. Hopefully that's really faded. I forgot I put the watermark on this. I did it not, is faded. I did not intend to do that. All right. So the velocity of money works in a society where you have like, say a restaurant owner. Oh man, this is fancy. Yeah, why, do you, why do you, I, oh, this is what frustrates me guys about Matt. He's always got these fancy graphics and that's why his YouTube channel is so good. All right. So you got these. We just finished a, a creative financing masterclass this last weekend. So I'm all prepared and set up for it. So, <laughs> okay. All right. Those so of you like, listening to the audio podcast right now, um, you just got a, an image. So explain the image, what people are seeing here. Matt. Perfect. So on the far left, you've got, say, a restaurant owner. And he gives 100 bucks to the grocery store owner because he's got to buy, say, steak, right? Then the grocery store owner has to give that $100 over to the rancher to buy the beef so they get prepared to sell it to the restaurant owner. Then the rancher's got to go over to the farmer to, find, to take that $100 and buy the feed or the grain to feed to the cows. And then the farmer... Since he got a hundred bucks, he's going to take his wife out for a nice dinner and goes to the restaurant. So that $100, and it was just $100 in our society, in our economy, produced the goods and services of $400. Mm -hmm. See how that works? Yeah. Okay. So, and only did that just because the hundred dollars moved from person to person to person. So with this concept, I started thinking, well, what if I was every person? Hmm. Right. So to change this up a little bit, next would be here would be a real estate investor. They go and they take one hundred thousand dollars to buy a house. Then the cash flow can go and purchase a car, say a little Jeep on Turo. And I picked Jeep Wrangler because that's the highest performing car on Turo. That's a, a share ride app. So it's kind of like an Airbnb for cars. And that produces on average $900 a month. So you can take the $900 a month and then take that and put it into peer-to-peer -peer lending platform that can pay you anywhere from 40 to 100% annual return. That comes back to you until you've got enough money to go buy another income property. So again, like your one asset bought another asset that bought another asset. And that's kind of what we do already as real estate investors. We just do it with exclusively houses, right? And so with the houses, what that does though is, so it maximizes your return and it maximizes the, how hard your money is working, but it makes you subjective to the real estate market. So you've got the risk. So to your point, great ROI here, a great use of your money here, great use of creation of passive income, but the risk is like the same because if the real estate market were to crash, your whole little empire, your whole little machine here comes crashing down. So you want to start looking at diversifying your assets, but in uncorrelated market classes. So I'll show you what I've been doing here. So what I started doing is taking all of my income from my real estate and my business. So I've got Epic Wealth Fund that produces an income for me. I've got my real estate portfolio that produces an income for me. I've got Cashflow Savvy that produces an income for me. And then I've got and my education business that produces an income for me. So I started taking all of that income. This was back in 2000, a little bit in 2017, but I really picked up the pace in 2019 when I moved here to Vegas. And I'll tell you why in a sec. But I started dollar cost averaging into cryptocurrency, just really, really small amounts. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I was like, it was literally like it was $100 a week coming out of my account going in buying Bitcoin. And I started doing that in 2017. And so I just like set it and forget it. And it was just $100 every week that I didn't see and I didn't miss it. And it was no big deal. And, you know, if you go back to 2017, that turned out to be a pretty good decision. Oh, yeah. But when I moved to Vegas, I recognized something here in all of the gas stations in Las Vegas, especially uh, specifically the Chevrons. There are Bitcoin ATMs. Are, is there really? Yes. So there's full, and I noticed this, so I've been here two years, so I noticed it right when I moved here. 
full-sized ATMs right next to regular ATMs. I mean, they're full-blown machines. Cool. And I'm like, what is this? Like, do I take my blood pressure here? Or <laughs> like, what is this machine for? <laughs> and they're Bitcoin ATMs. So I was like, uh-oh, there's something bigger going on behind the scenes. Like, someone is spending a lot of money preparing for mainstream adoption. And so just based on that alone, I started picking up and accelerating or increasing the quantity of my dollar cost averaging. And I started doing more research because I really was, it was a total FOMO investing strategy. Let me just get some Bitcoin just in case this thing takes off one day. But now I became a lot more educated on it and started really researching and kind of diversifying into these different coins and everything and really pumping a lot more in. So I had that, but I wanted to put more in because, but I didn't want to put in more because I needed my cash to run operations. I needed my cash for my real estate business. So I didn't put in as much as I wanted to. So one thing I did with this, what you call it, the velocity of money thing, as the previous example, I opened up a life insurance banking account. It's invested in in the stock market. It only produces a 5% ROI, not really anything to brag about, but it's really safe and secure. So it's not, there's not a whole lot of volatility there. And the returns are guaranteed, right? And yes, right. And it gives me, it gives me a, a, this one's a a eight figure life insurance policy for my family. But, and, and that's like your death benefit, but people with this bank account, they don't understand that there's an actual life benefit as well. And what that does is it allows me to borrow whatever I put in there. And I can borrow up to 80% LTV, but I'm not, unlike borrowing from your 401k. So if you had $100,000 in your 401k and you borrow $50,000 to go buy a house with it, you just took $50,000 out of your 401k. So now your 401k is only growing at that $50,000 is the only thing that's appreciating. With the life insurance bank account, your $100,000 stays in the bank account and it's just collateral against the $50,000 that you'd borrow. So you're still learning interest on the hundred grand. Exactly, right? So, and what they call that in the world of financial planning is uninterrupted compounding. When you borrow from the 401k, you're interrupting your compounding interest. You're interrupting that eighth wonder of the world, right? And so it's not gonna produce what you think it's gonna produce because you just interrupted it by taking some money out. But by leaving it in here, you've got uninterrupted compounding and now you can truly benefit from this Einstein's eighth wonder of the world, right? So I started borrowing from that and putting it into more crypto. But I was, I, I took all of my stocks, I sold my stocks. I didn't have anything significant in there, but I had just like the base. I had Apple, Amazon, and Netflix. So I stole, sold all of that and put that in my life insurance bank account and then started borrowing or buying, buying more crypto. So now I've got that all of that money is growing in my life insurance bank account and it's also growing in my crypto account. So that $1 is purchased two cash producing assets or two appreciating assets. Follow me? Yeah. Okay, cool. So then I discovered this. And this is where this is what I discovered just about oh, nine or 10 months ago. And this is what blew my whole world open. Is I discovered that you can borrow against your crypto in the exact same fashion that you can borrow against your life insurance bank account. So I can use my cryptocurrency as collateral without selling it, borrow it, and then go buy real estate with it. So all of my money gets siphoned right through, goes straight into my life insurance bank account that goes and buys crypto that transfers it over to this other site called Nexo. If you go to epicnexo.com, you can get some free cryptocurrency. We both actually do. There's my promotion. But anyway, go to Nexo and you can borrow against it without selling it. People are going to ask for that domain. What's that domain again? And they're right there if you can see them. So I got epiccoinbase.com, which a lot of people have. You have to buy the crypto there. And then you have to transfer it over to Nexo. So epicnexo.com. Okay. And then once you've transferred it there, now you can take out loans. And the loans are immediate. 
we were just talking about how difficult it was to get a house loan. No, literally in 10 minutes, you can wire the money from Nexo to your actual bank account. It's instant. So it, how much interest do you pay yourself when you're borrowing money? Okay, so I'm paying, it's right there. I'm sorry about the watermark. It's kind of I small, right? I have a hard time seeing it. Sure, it's 9.5% interest. Okay. But with Nexo, and there's a lot of websites that do this, but I chose Nexo because you don't have to ever make a payment. It just continues to go up. And as long as you maintain, so you can borrow at 50% LTV, but as long as you maintain at least a 95% LTV, you never owe a payment. If you drop below that, they start liquidating in little pieces to keep you at a 95% LTV. But my philosophy is if Bitcoin has averaged a 200% return every single year over the last 10 years, why would I want to sell, pay off that loan at 9.5% when the asset is earning 200%? Yeah, okay. So that's my philosophy there. So I'm not even making the payments there. And then, so I buy the income producing real estate and then, and I just finished this cycle for the third time this year, I go and refinance the money because I paid cash for that real estate. I refinance it and then it goes right back over and the cash flow is going back into my life insurance bank account. Wow. Right? right so so you, you've got your, your income from your businesses mm -hmm. where you are, you're putting it into your life insurance banking. Yep. You're taking money from that buying crypto. Yep. You're taking that crypto to Epic Nexo, E-P-I-C-N-E-X-O.com, mm -hmm. where you can then borrow money, but you're you're not selling your cryptocurrencies, right? Correct. So they're still going up in value, even though you're borrowing against it. Exactly. And you're still paying an interest, but it's appreciating faster than your interest is that you're paying. Correct. And then, so you're taking the money you're borrowing out of Epic Nexo, mm -hmm. and then you're buying more income, income producing real estate. Yep. And then I refinance that money out and put it right back in. So here's the beautiful thing is all this money is growing and I'm using all of this money tax-free because they're all loans. So I'm never paying a tax on it because the IRS doesn't tax borrowed money. So your money that you're making in your real estate business income, mm -hmm. you have to pay taxes on that? Yeah. So yeah. That, so once it gets to the bank, the life insurance bank, those are post-tax dollars. Yes. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. But now it grows. So is there a way you can... <laughs> Is there a way you can not pay taxes on that? Your refinancing go into your life insurance? When you refinance the real estate, can it go oh. into your life insurance bank? Oh, yeah, it does. That's exactly where this big, giant green arrow goes. So the, Okay, but the first green arrow, that's after tax dollars. Um, yes. So I should, I should delete that because I'm not doing that anymore. Okay. So the recurring dollar cost averaging is coming straight from the bank and the life insurance bank account. Okay. I was doing that before I had the bank insurance, that life insurance bank account in place. Wow. Yeah, I should admit that. Admit that. And here's the other thing now is I am not even doing the dollar cost averaging anymore because once, once I put the money in the life insurance bank account, the money there is stable and it's secure. It's not volatile. It's gonna, it's gonna be there. But if I put, if I constantly am doing this dollar cost averaging, particularly when the market is going up like it, like it is right now this whole year, I, I subject my money to the volatility of the cryptocurrency market. So I could put money in there with the intent to buy real estate three months from now, but then the market could have a big correction and all of a sudden I don't have the money to buy the real estate three months from now. Well, so, right. So uh, what happens if the cryptocurrency market crashes? What does that, how does that leave you exposed? Okay. So we'll talk about that in a sec. Okay. Because that's part of the, the risk mitigation part. So now I'm not, I'm just stuffing the life insurance bank account and just keep on putting the money in there until I'm ready to make a real estate purchase. So now I'm taking, so say the house was, you know, you know, I just, I just got one with seller financing. I needed like $25,000 for a down payment. So what I did is I took, $100,000, put it in the, 
put it into the, the life insurance bank account, immediately borrowed 80%, put it into the crypto, and then borrowed it to go pay the, the what you call it, for the real estate. The down payment. Correct. So I, that way, I knew I had the money. I knew I could pull the trigger. To your point, if the market would have corrected, say, before I was able, before I needed the money to close escrow on that real estate property, then I might not have had it there, right? So that's, that's, so I stopped the dollar money in the life insurance bank account until I'm ready to buy the real estate. All right. So, but if the market, if the cryptocurrency crashes, the market, Mm -hmm. cryptocurrency, you still have to pay that money back to Nexo, correct? Correct. Let me see what my next slide is. I might answer your question here. Okay. This is going to complicate the issue. So with the Coinbase thing, like I use that peer-to-peer lending. So I can lend my, if I'm not borrowing the crypto myself, I can lend it out to other people. And I'm averaging about a 31% annual return doing that. Are you doing that? Yeah. I actually found a better website that's giving me about a hundred percent annual return. And how, how much are you lending out? Like in dollars, in terms of- I just store, what they are is I just store my dollars there and it lends it out on auto, but they're short- Loans, so it's seven, fourteen, or twenty-one day loans. Wow! And it comes back to you in crypto. So it comes back to me, and then it automatically gets redistributed. So if I ever want to just, I can just click the stop button, and then it'll just wait for the seven days, the fourteen days, and the twenty-one day loans to come due, and then I'll have all my cash back. Okay. So it works for that. So let me see what my next slide here is. Okay, cool. Here's the point: I've got the velocity of money times three, so I've got one dollar produced that purchased three assets and it's producing an income and a, and a great return in three assets. I've got uninterrupted compounding because I didn't have to sell anything. So mm-hmm. my, I still got all of the life insurance. I still got all the crypto and I got the real estate, right? And they're uncorrelated investments. This is what I wanted to get to based on your, what your point was. So the uncorrelated investments. So in the event that the cryptocurrency market would crash, that would suck, right? I wouldn't like that. Because where I've borrowed it from, I'm at 50% LTV. So I've got all of the money there to pay that back. So the worst case is I just paid back my loan, right? I didn't lose my crypto. I just paid back the loan, but it was just an automatic payment. And you can only borrow up to 50%. Correct. Correct. There's other websites that do 60, 70, but they all have their different pros and cons. I just like Epic Nexo for two reasons. One, you don't have to make payments. And second, if the market were to crash, they only liquidate your cryptocurrency to pay back your 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 debt in small little increments to keep you to 95% LTV. But most of the other websites will sell all of it and collect it all if it, it drops below a certain level. So that's the least risk of losing everything. But the worst case is, okay, I paid back my loan, but I still own the real estate free and clear, see? So that's why they're uncorrelated. So the same thing, if the real estate market were to crash, I've got my money in the other two assets as well. So they're uncorrelated. Now, if all three crash, then that means, you know, we better have bought some bullets too, because we're going to have bigger fish to fry. Or And toilet paper. And toilet paper, yes. So we've got uncorrelated investments, the investment appreciation times three. Some of these are a little redundant, I think. Minimal taxation. So it's there's almost no taxation after you've put your money into the system. And then you're hedged against inflation like uh, like crazy. And right now, that's a really big deal because these are all long-term fixed debts, right? And then I'm hedged against risk. And that's what we just talked about that. So when I look at this, and, I, and I'm almost done in, uh, with this, but when you look at it this way, like I'm looking at why would you even want a 401k or an IRA? Why would you not just liquidate that thing immediately? Because I get to benefit from all of this right now. And it's multiplying it probably 300, 400 times what my 401k is, is multiplying at. If you've got the money to, if you've got investment properties already, refi that money and put this in the system. If you've got money in your primary residence, refi it, put it in your system. If you've got collectibles, sell and put it in the system and go buy the collectibles back. 
but now you've got your collectibles and you've got these cash producing assets. And then just borrow, borrow as much money as you possibly can. And that's a reckless statement for a lot of people and that freaks them out. But you can't, there's not a loan shark out there that would charge you so much that you couldn't pay for it all with this system, right? Yeah. So anyway, that's how wow. it works. And that's, that's what I'm crazy. really excited about. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, let's see if you guys have any questions because I, I think I understand it, but I'm sure like Nichol says here, wow. Do, do, do Luis, hello from Dallas. Thanks for the valuable live. Maria, thank you. Great information. Um, Facebook user here is saying, how does this relate to the velocity of money? Uh, I think you answered that, but it is the velocity of money. Yes. Okay. The velo- oh, well, maybe the, the question is, so the velocity of money is more than $1 pr- produced four times the goods and services just because it moved from one provider to the other. What I've done here is I've taken out all the providers and I've put my own assets in place. So my dollar is moving from asset to asset to asset and, and circulating. So that's how the velocity of money, how it applies. Brandon asks a good question here. Uh, so what is the total end return possibly explained what $1 could theoretically become? Have you done that math? I mean, because they're uncorrelated assets and because they grow at, at different rates, I, it's a lot, Brandon. But the one thing that you would want to pay attention to the most is when you use that reference of $1, that $1 bought three different assets $3 worth of assets that the $1 individually couldn't have purchased. I would have needed $3 if I purchased each one of these individually. Like if I went and got the bank insurance, the crypto and the real estate separately, I would need $3 to buy those three assets. But through this, I only needed $1 to do it. Good, 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 good. Somebody else is asking here, pay off my credit cards and cash out my annuity? I absolutely would. I wouldn't pay off the credit cards. I'd borrow from the credit cards. I've borrowed from a bunch from mine. Now that's reckless information. I am not, this is not advice. I am a reckless idiot. I don't know what I'm doing and I'm probably going to lose everything. That's my disclaimer. Okay. So I I would, might take the other end of like, be careful with your credit card. Yep. Go ahead. Fine. This, the, the one thing on the credit cards is don't use a credit card that would have an adjustable rate because now you use your, you're losing your, your hedge against inflation. You want your fixed rate debt. Say that again one more time. Sorry. If you have a credit card that has an adjustable rate, yeah, like th- th- those, that's the kind of debt you do want to stay away from. You don't want adjustable mortgages. You don't want adjustable refis. You want fixed long-term debt. All right. Otherwise, you're actually subject to or vulnerable to inflation. Johanna, I believe, says here, I missed the life insurance bank account part. Which institution is your provider? You can go to Epic, I'm sorry, it's, it, I just got done with the whole presentation, so this is all branded with my stuff. But Epic Profit Booster, epicprofitbooster.com, and that'll just connect you with my guy. And he's not just a life insurance guy, and you don't want to go to just a life insurance person. You want to go to an investment strategist that's going to get you the right policy that allows you to do this. And so he works totally for free. You don't pay him anything. He makes his money from the life insurance if, if you go forward, and, and they pay him. So, But he, he's a real whiz and a real genius, and I'm really fortunate enough to, uh, to have met him. Nice. Good question. Any other questions, guys? Um, I'm looking here. Mark says, I saw a Bitcoin ATM at the Circle K the other day. I'm in Alabama. Yes, they just added it. They just announced that, I think, a couple weeks ago. I think it's like 10,000 Circle Ks are getting Bitcoin ATMs. So the mass adoption is coming. So if you're not in it, you might just want to put something in it and let and set it and forget it just in case. Wow. I haven't seen any of these in St. Louis. Either I don't get out or St. Louis doesn't have any. I was just driving through Alabama the other day, too, on my way back from Florida. And you didn't um, stop at a Circle K, Joe? No. I don't know if there were any, because we were driving through small country roads the whole time for whatever reason. Mark says here, I know Matt and Joe had a three-option letter and a calculator. Is it still available? Where could I find the automated system? 
Where's your uh, calculator, Matt? Mine's inside the members area. So it's behind a membership wall. But if you go to epicloi.com, you can get the the spreadsheet for it and you can get the actual letter, epicloi.com. And then if you want to uh, pay the upgrade, you can get the calculator. But at least you get the spreadsheet and the spreadsheet does the exact same thing. Nice. Yep. Cool. I have one also a partner with joe.net. I have a free version and then a premium version that's seven bucks. We got some questions here. Sounds great, but I think my brain exploded. LOL. Is there somewhere I can go to be dumbed down to digest everything you just went over? Because <laughs> I started the way I started because I was trying to dumb it down as much as possible. I, maybe, maybe I don't know. Michael, of this, Michael right? I don't know anyone that's doing this. I, I did this all through my own thought process. I didn't read it in a book, so I can't refer you to a book. I can't refer you to a website. Um, this is just something I was like, I just started thinking like, what if I did this? And what if I did this? And what if I did that? And I'm already thinking like, can I put, what's a fourth element I can put in there at some point, right? I don't know what that is yet. Offshore bank accounts? Yeah, but it's gotta be an appreciating cash producing asset, yeah, right? Okay. So I am actually considering starting my own Turo fleet here in uh, in Las Vegas, buying a bunch right. of Jeeps and Mustangs because that's what gets rented out here. Brandon's asking a question that I kind of had too. What's the significance of the Bitcoin ATM? Uh, it was just a clue to me, Brandon, that mass adoption is on the way because these were full-blown ATMs. It's not just like cheap little thing made out of cardboard. I mean, it's like a big giant machine next to the regular ATM. They're the same size. So there's a lot of money and a lot of investment, a lot of faith and belief in the future of cryptocurrencies for people to put that in all of those chevrons. And now, as previously was pointed out, the Circle Ks. Uh, MasterCard is coming out with it. Visa is coming out to, to accept it. PayPal is probably the biggest adopter. And PayPal has more customers than all of the banks combined right now globally. So now they're totally embracing it. So mass adoption is coming. What I've heard some people talk about, you know, if a Federal Reserve because China's already talking about it, coming out with their own digital currency, and the Federal mm-hmm. Reserve in the U.S. is now talking about it, maybe. What's that going to do to cryptocurrencies and Bitcoins and things like that? Yeah, that's a big variable, Joe. I, I don't know. I mean, regulation is is kind of the big concern for most people. Um, I don't think it's going to go away. I just think they want to monitor it closely because so much of it happens behind the scenes. It's a little bit still like the wild, wild west. Yeah. But if they came and put the smash down on it, you know what? I've got such a head start now, and, and you're not too late if you started now, for sure. Not by any means. We're still at the very beginning of this. But look at how much real estate and stock I would still own in my life insurance bank account and my and my real estate portfolio. Yeah, And that's the whole point of it, is that I'm hedged against something like that that's out of our control. Brandon's asking, can you explain, explain, expand the slide so I can grab a screenshot? Uh, yeah, we can do that real quick here, but you can also just go back to the... Um, this. Here, let me podcast is on the YouTubes and you can watch oh, yeah. it. You can always go back and rewatch the YouTube, but yeah. Oh, I guess uh just go to the Joe McCall channel. Just go have to go through the whole sequence all over again. Yeah, we okay. we'll just go go to the Joe yeah. McCall channel and um you can find this video oh, and yeah. just fast forward. We can rewind video. <laughs> um, I forget yeah. that kind of stuff all the time. Michael says I can I see Bitcoin on the Cash app. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's how I've bought all of my Bitcoin. Yep. It's through the Cash app. It's just it's in easy. it's in Venmo now, which is yeah. owned by PayPal. But Venmo's got it. And uh, yeah, Brandon's got another question. Um, what are, other coins are you focused on other than Bitcoin, and why? Uh, okay, I've got a lot of Bitcoin. I've got a lot of Ethereum and a lot of Cardano. Those are like the top three. I think those are like the three safest ones. The ones that have the best use case, they have the bet the best backing behind it. And I am into um, some other stuff that's probably a little bit riskier. But you know, I think with the potential parabolic returns, 
like putting a thousand bucks in that could be worth a hundred thousand. That's worth the risk to me. Somebody's saying here, uh, BTC has better protocol versus other cryptos. Yeah. Brian says here as an FYI, if you're driving through Texas, Louisiana, Alabama, or Florida, keep an eye out for the boosies. For a boosies, there are huge rest stops with lots of gas pumps and no truckers allowed. Restrooms are award-winning clean. All right, cool. Uh, And they have BTM (laughs) or BTC, uh, Bitcoin ATMs. What about Dogecoin, however you say it? Okay. Dogecoin for everybody is an absolute joke. The owner says it's a joke. He made it as a goof. He was being sarcastic and making fun of Bitcoin when he made it. It has no use case. There's not even a developer behind it. It's 100% (laughs) hype. And this is all from the owner, the creator himself. Mm -hmm. Now, Elon Musk and Mark Cuban are trying to force it to be used as a cryptocurrency. But if you have any money in there and you've made some, I would uh, take it out. Somebody else here says, don't buy paper BTC. Not your keys, not your coin. I don't know. You could buy paper Bitcoin. Oh, because oh, um, probably because there's funds that are buying Bitcoin. So you can buy into the fund on the stock market. Oh, yeah. I heard about that. Bitcoin. They're going to be doing uh, ETFs. Like yeah, there's already stuff. several outside of the United States, but they're trying to get approval for ones inside the U.S. Yeah. So that truck stop, that, that rest stop is called Bucky's. Very cool. Good Thank promo, you, Brian. Brian. I like the uh, gorilla marketing here. Yeah. <laughs> you and I, oh, you know, cool. we, we appreciate that. Well, this has been good, educational. I know some of you are thinking, what just happened? <laughs> so <laughs> go go back to the YouTube, watch this again, mm-hmm. fast forward it, slow it down, and pause it, take screenshots and all of that, because Matt gave a lot of good websites in there that you should check out. Matt, how can people get a hold of you if they have questions or if they want some help? Well, EpicREI.tv, the, the YouTube channel is really good. We just updated and completely revamped after 10 years. We just stepped ourselves into the 21st century, our actual EpicRealEstate.com website. Really? Yeah. And I, hadn't, I hadn't touched it forever, dude. It just sat there and did I nothing. Check that out. I, had no, I don't think any of the links worked. <laughs> I don't think anything was, was going on whatsoever. But we just redid that whole thing. And so we're conf- uh, quickly doing that. And of course, we have the Epic Real Estate Investing Show, epicrealestateinvesting.com podcast. That is going through a revamp and that will be completely all brand new, new structure, new intro, new graphics, everything all next week and new provider, everything. Wow. Are you, uh, how often are you doing podcast episodes now? I'm just curious. Um, I have lagged the last three weeks, but we'll probably work. We've been doing two per week and we're probably wrapping back up to at least five days a week. Oh, nice. YouTube channel too? Yeah, I'll probably... I'm doing three a week, but that's a struggle. That's a lot of work. We put a lot of work into each one of those videos. Just the prep before I even get to record is like takes up so much time. Well, Matt, you're doing good stuff. I I just encourage you guys just to go check out Matt's channel on YouTube, epicrei.tv. And check it out. Matt's always always constantly coming out with really good information that is specific to real estate and growing your money, reducing your risk, increasing your ROI. So Thank you. And I'll be on your show soon, I think. Yeah, let's see what the date is. We'll do We'll do that live too. So you can come over to my channel and then I'm going to interview Joe and figure out all of his cool little tricks. What day is that? I don't think my tricks are going to be as cool as yours. Oh, that's tomorrow. <laughs> it is, is it? Yeah, all right. So catch us at 2.15 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and Joe and I will do this all over again, but Joe's going to be in the hot seat and we'll see what fancy tricks <laughs> hey, Joe. I'm not... I'm not going to have any slides, so but I'll, I'll bring the heat. I'll will, right. I will bring the heat. I'm glad I just did that. I'll create a fancy thumbnail for us right now and promote it. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for being on the show. Go check out Matt's stuff, and uh, thank you again, Matt. Always good talking to you, man. Love you, Joe. Take care, See you guys. Bye, bye. 